Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Spin Class. We're talking politics. Your host, Michael Fragan, here on the Nachum Siegel Network, NachumSiegel.com, and on the NSN app. And uh, what another historical week for politics, my friends. Uh, we Last week, obviously, was the insurrection uh, and uh, the historic uh, storming of the Capitol by supporters of President Trump. Uh, we can obviously uh, unpack that a little bit, uh, the aftermath and what we know now a little bit more than we did then, because uh, that had essentially just happened. And we were still kind of grieving the first time the Capitol has been stormed uh, since the War of 1812. Uh, that storming actually happened in 1814 in part of the war. But uh, this week, and we have uh, and we're recording this uh, just after the impeachment for the second time of President Trump as a result of that mob violence that occurred uh, back one week ago. So here to understand it all and to, to unpack it and see uh, how that affects our lives and our political understanding, we have Jacob Kornblue, uh, formerly, well, now of the venerable New York uh, Jewish newspaper, The Forward, although not necessarily uh, a newspaper anymore, uh, right? No print edition, Jacob? Uh, well, we'll see if, you know, oh, we'll see. Okay. If, if we return to paper, then we'll have to go uh, print. Okay. So I, I, I kind of fudge that introduction without knowing that, but let's just talk Jacob, uh, spent several years at Jewish insider is a well-known political reporter on the New York scene, uh, has the uh, distinction of being one of the very few Hasidic Jews in journalism. Uh, resides in Borough Park, and most famously, this summer was uh, surrounded and attacked by a mob inspired by Heshi Tischler, who is a rival radio uh, personality who we don't generally talk about because uh, not really so in sync with his politics. But Jacob, this is a safe space for you. I want you to understand that. So welcome back to Spin Class. Always good to be with you, Michael, and I always feel safe and protected by you. Oh, fantastic. Okay. Well, look, number one, we got to talk about your career change before we get into the history of Donald Trump and Trumpism and Jews and Trumpism, et cetera. So uh, what brought you to the forward and what's what's going on? What's going on in the life of the journalist, uh, Jacob Kornblow? Uh, it's a big change. Uh, you know, obviously, um, with all the changes happening uh, post-COVID, and also, we are transitioning from a presidential election into a New York City municipality election. Uh, so much going on. And I feel like with the forward being recognized as a national outlet and a mouthpiece for, um, you know, American Jewish journalism, where we focus on Jewish issues, not necessarily just uh, driving the conversation, but also, uh, you know, bringing both sides of the aisle, um, uh, the news that people should read about, or when they read about the news, how they should um, see it, and also giving a platform for voices um, uh, on the broad spectrum of the American Jewish community. But my, my work um, necessarily is not on opinion or driving the conversation, but just bringing to the readers uh, those um, issues that um, American Jews uh, care about, those in diaspora, but also uh, the political scene. Uh, um, if you recall in 2013, the jumpstart of my 
journalistic career was covering the uh, New York City mayoral election. It was the first time after um, two decades that Democrats had a chance of returning to City Hall. It was an open race. Uh, they were uh, front runners every month. They changed um, um, candidates in being um, uh, as a, a front runner. And what I did was at the time that I brought to the front several issues that uh, the Jewish community cared about, that the candidates expressed interest, but also commented about, uh, expressed their views on these issues and um, focused on this, you know, Jewish electorate, which is not significant. It happened to be not significant. Not significant? Term, yeah, I, not I significant would say the Jewish electorate. Of it, determining an election. But what I would say is that if you recall during the primary, Bill de Blasio eked out um, um, over 40% uh, thanks to the support of the Satma community um, of KJ, I mean, in Williamsburg, but um, and right. And right. so he, he, he got it. over 40%. So he avoided the runoff with Bill Thompson, who was seen as a favorite to win the runoff. So uh, when I say not significant, it's not necessarily um, that the Jewish vote um, matters in determining who the candidate would be. But um, when people are engaged, and when the candidates know what the issues are, uh, it's helpful not only for the campaign, but also once they um, get into office and govern, that they know what people care about, and they have the uh, Jewish community have somebody who knows who they are, all the sects within the community, what the issues are, and could uh, present those questions and challenges uh, to the mayor and to the council members. Um, so that's what I did in 2013. Uh, I continued, you know, focusing mostly on national well, some credit uh, you. news in the last four years just because we got hijacked by a president who wanted to change a new cycle every five minutes. But now as we return, hopefully, we don't know. Uh, well, hopefully, to normalcy. Mean, we thought that 2021 brings in an era of normalcy. And so far, the first... Uh, two weeks of 2021 was uh, a replication of 2020. We, we want a refund. 2020. People want people want a refund, but but some Jacob, some credit you actually for changing the course of the uh, mayoral race mm -hmm. back in 2013 and essentially driving Anthony Weiner from the race uh, to some degree. Uh, some of your reporting, especially his altercation with uh, a Jewish uh, uh, customer at a kosher bakery on 13th Avenue, uh, was responsible basically to show that just with all with all of his baggage, there was just no way he was yeah, going to be able to stay it's interesting in. to point that out because at the time it was like a few days, the weekend before the primary, he was already at, I would say, 8 or 7% um, in the polls. Um, the, the most recent polls the weekend before put him like in, in, in fourth or fifth place. Right, right, but that, but that percentage that he did have could would have changed, or potentially would have changed, the Bill De Blasio, Bill Thompson. Right. So that's the point that I wanted to make is that when he came to Borough Park, he came with the intention to galvanize support that he had in the Jewish community. You know, he was the first one, if I recall, 
um, that called for the release of Jonathan Pollard. He was an ally of the Orthodox Jewish community, not just in general of the Jewish community being a, a member of the tribe, but of the Orthodox community in Congress. Um, you know, before um, before that, he was also a local lawmaker. But I thought that Anthony Weiner would do quite well in the community. Obviously, he was very open, meeting the community, meeting with uh, Jewish leaders, uh, open to the press. You know, he 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 always uh, gave me time to answer my questions, and he was familiar with the issues that people care about. And again, as you note that if um, uh, this incident that I recorded and um, uh, reported about, which got viral, uh, if that hadn't happened, uh, yeah, maybe Bill Thompson would have been mayor uh, right now. So, uh, of course, the Jewish vote matters. And, of course, uh, the action and the rhetoric and the action of certain candidates could actually, uh, as we see with... Um, the president uh, that he he basically lost uh, his re-election by the rhetoric and action he took um, in the past four years. Okay, I want to finish my question about the forward before mm -hmm. we get in too much into politics for a second. Uh, like it or not, or true or not, fair or unfair, the forward kind of has a reputation as an community. And it might be, I'm not saying, but that is that a lot of people in the Orthodox community uh, feel. And, you know, are they bringing you on to kind of balance that a little bit to kind of say, hey, we're not uh, we're, we're not what you think we are? Or that's uh, never been a discussion or consideration for you? That was never a consideration and that wasn't in my offer. Um, I was hired um, by the forward uh, just because of my um, work that I did at Jewish Insider. Um, and also, um, I'm known uh, as being ethical and moral, uh, as asking the right questions, um, and being passionate about uh, the work I do, and knowledgeable about the issues. Um, again, I recall that um, I started my career in 2013 um, jobless. I didn't have a job then. I just went from event to event, from candidate forum to candidate forum, uh, got familiar with the issues, got familiar with the candidates, and then I landed the job. So um, regarding the forward, again, perceptions, perception matters. Uh, I would uh, confess and say that I'm not necessarily seen as a representative of the Orthodox community in the wake of uh, uh, the recent events, just because uh, if you look at First of all, the attacks against me, um, but also uh, the level of support that is in the Jewish community and also uh, the fact that we are more an insular community and not really out there, um, you know, doing the stuff that I'm doing. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that I would come on um, as, you know, uh, um, a token um, as a as as a plaque. You're not for that. You're not. You're, you're trying to tell me you're not an affirmative action hire. Absolutely not. And I okay, and good. Again, and I would say um, that the Ford is a broad platform where you are able to express your opinion independently, especially uh, reporters on the team, but also um, there's voice for those who you know describe themselves as orthodox, who believe in certain causes, you know, 
if you are pro-Trump or against Trump, if you're a Republican, Democrat, a Jewish, non-Jewish, everybody is able to express their opinion. But ultimately, it's up to the readers. It's up to those um, who want to be engaged um, to think independently and um, to not only be swayed by by certain um, or by um, have a thought of their own and 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 based based on if it's pro or against if they should support a certain cause or a certain candidate it's not us um, up to us in the media to determine that okay so i don't want to get ahead of ourselves with regard to uh, 2021 uh, when uh, we're still looking at the a little bit backward at the election of 2020 and uh, the aftermath, and of course, the aftermath kind of kind of culminated even before the inauguration of the next president. We have an impeachment of Donald Trump, which happened. Uh, ten Republicans voted for impeachment. Impeachment passed. It's the first time. Well, only three presidents in history have ever been impeached. Um, but uh, we are now looking at uh, well, something has been historic levels, and a lot of people in our community, in the Orthodox community. Uh, really were were believers and true believers in the end in the president and trumpism uh for for a number of reasons mm-hmm. and you know we can uh, we can certainly unpack and go into uh but I think we should uh at least talk for a second about how many of people in the community your community in Borough park in my community the five towns the Orthodox community broader refuse to believe that president Trump lost the election. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Um, I I would say this. um, The moment that uh, the president conceded the election, I mean, not by choice, but just because uh, his vice president uh, certified, I mean, Congress certified uh, the election, um, you did see sort of people acknowledging that, hey, Donald Trump is not the ultimate president. Uh, Joe Biden is going to enter the White House on January uh, 20th. Um, And that is um, the problem. And that is why it's a concern to follow certain leaders who have uh, an ability to manipulate, who have the ability to get the support of people who are not paying attention to the nuance, who are not paying attention to the facts and to the truth, but whatever that sort of leader says and spews that is what they accept and so yes you have to acknowledge um there's two parts to it obviously obviously there's the part of the orthodox community in general uh supports republican candidates um as um you might you well know because you're a campaign consultant that um previous presidential candidates got around the same support that President Trump got uh, in the in the past election, um, you know, four or five percent up and down. But in general, in national elections, the Orthodox community, the Hasidic community, more than the modern Orthodox community uh, votes Republican. So you would expect them to support the president. And as long as the RNC, as long as the RJC, as long as members of Congress uh, wouldn't recognize uh, Joe Biden's victory 
and would support uh, contesting the election, that they would stand with them, that they would think that, hey, Donald Trump is this genius, that somehow the cards uh, will fall in place, somehow he'll figure out how to uh, change the election results. But it also has to do with uh, the line of communication. As you know, you know, members of the Orthodox community don't necessarily watch uh, television. Um, you know, the news that gets spread around is either via social media or on WhatsApp, which is mostly um, somewhat edited clips that, you know, go viral. And so the president, the Republicans, and those who supported um, uh, Trump uh, had this four years of a direct line to the president. You always knew what the president is thinking. You always uh, knew the action that he's taking, but he also shared his thoughts um, in real time with his supporters and with the American people. And so once he got banned off Twitter, once he got banned off social media, he lost that megaphone, you will see a decline in the spread of lies, of conspiracy theories, just because they're not getting it from a man they believe is a man of authority. So many, I, well, I shouldn't say so many. I mean, there were at least identifiable. There were quite a few identifiably orthodox, well, probably dozens, if not tens of dozens, maybe hundreds, uh, down there this past uh, this past Wednesday in Washington uh, at a rally that became uh, more than a rally, obviously a violent riot, and um, it's it's. I guess it kind of sticks out, given the fact that you had people there who were had you know, Nazi paraphernalia, Confederate flags. I mean, you know, white supremacist tendencies and and the like. I mean, what is this phenomenon now with people from the Orthodox community making common cause with white supremacists or with QAnon? I mean, I see now Orthodox Jews promoting QAnon, which it has so many comparisons with protocols the elders of zion with this this secret cabal controlling of pedophiles controlling uh, the entire world i mean jacob what, what what's going on here uh, it's unfortunate um and and what i say to my friends is that these people hate you they would never protect you with their guns <laughs> they want to kill the jews they believe that and and again they don't um, you know, when they see you on the street, they don't say, oh, you're from Bar Park, you're from Williamsburg, you're from Monroe. Okay, you're one of us. They hate Jews. They hate, you know, um, Western civility just because uh, you don't agree with them um, and just because they believe in a different cause. Um, and it's unfortunate that you choose them as your allies in a political fight, uh, uh, when it is, you know, about supporting the president on a certain issues, defending his policies, that's one thing. Uh, but here we're talking about undermining democracy, undermining a process, um, undermining um, our democratic institutions, um, doing stuff that terrorists do. And we should support that. Um, you know, it's it's really unfortunate. But I also, again, I also believe that it is uh, a result 
of, you know, no filter, um, a line of communication that goes from the various, you know, extremist right-wing fringe websites right onto the social media platforms that the Orthodox community follows. And there's no filter. There's no media to say these are the facts, this is the truth, this is the conspiracy theory, and so on. And if you um, see something online and you say, well, this is from an outlet that is really not reliable, this is from a neo-Nazi website, uh, you're already seen as, oh, you disagree with Trump, you're pro-Biden, you're, pro, you're liberal, uh, you want to um, you know, take away our money, you want to put us all uh, in a ghetto. And that is um, why, you know, everything that has happened over the past four years, all the divisiveness, everything that is packaged as if you, um, you know, follow a certain way, a certain ideology, if you follow President Trump, you believe everything that he says, you believe everything that his supporters say. And that is why members of the Jewish community expressed their concern back uh, during the Charlottesville riots, when the president refused to condemn the neo-Nazis and said they're um, fine people on both sides, that this would be a result of enabling them to pick up their heads, to take further action, and once it gets out of hand, there's no way of stopping them. And this is what we saw last week. Uh, so, yeah, you can always say this is a fringe. You can always say that you know, most of us uh, believe in the causes, align themselves uh, with the uh, uh, policy of the Republican Party. And no matter who is president, um, as long as they are pro-Israel, as long as they uh, support um, uh, those values that the community believes in, that you can support them. Yes, that's fine. Uh, but you also have to distinguish between supporting a certain political cause, uh, supporting someone based on policy, on values, uh, to someone who wants to kill you, who hates you for being a Jew. From a journalistic perspective, uh, there was a controversy this past week uh, here in the Five Towns. Uh, the Five Towns Jewish Times put a cover of kind of that many had thought was glorifying the uh, violence at the Capitol. Uh, the publisher editor, uh, my my call friend uh, Larry Gordon, uh, uh, defended himself. He said he didn't know that there was a riot going on. I, look, uh, he probably, I guess, was uh, you know did not get a lot of information that day uh, on what was going on. But uh, that caused a backlash amongst the two rabbis here in the five towns. Now it's a whole free speech thing uh, because cancel culture. So I, just from your perspective as a journalist, uh, where do we where do we kind of come down as a community where some things really from a judgment? I mean, we, we are we're Orthodox Jews. We don't want to have a, a Chilol Shem. I mean, clearly, you know, just to harken back to the Chilol Shem that was created by those riots in Borough Park where you were uh, in mm -hmm. the middle of. I think that was that was awful. Um, you know, but on the other hand, you also want to preserve people's right to their opinions if you will. Uh, so where, where do you find that balance? I mean, I know you want to report the truth, but at the same time, you also want to not glorify things that are not, or, uh, you know, you, you also want to be mindful of the community. Right. And um, therefore, uh, you know, 
uh, you always stick to what your real uh, job is. Um, if you are a columnist, then you're free to do uh, opinion pieces and express your own opinion. But if you are a political correspondent, you focus on the politics of the issue. And so uh, this is what I try to explain to people who uh, were challenging me, why I am washing the dirty laundry um, in, uh, outside. I was like, this is my job as a journalist to actually, um, first of all, serve as a, um, you know, as a person of information, you know, because of COVID and because people were strapped home, um, there was no ability of them knowing in real time what the new guidelines and restrictions are, but also to challenge the government officials, knowing the community, knowing the challenges within the community, what they are really doing, the policies that they're doing, if it's right or wrong, and if it's wrong to explain, and if, if it's right to um, explain to the community why they're taking these measures. And so sometimes it's uncomfortable, um, as we saw during COVID. Uh, it's it's really uncomfortable to be in a situation where you have to uh, report something that you would um, later um, come under fire and uh, um, face backlash just because uh, people disagree uh, with certain measures taken by the government. But I also believe that people should be mindful of um, if it's a person, a certain person, if it's a group, or if it's... Um, people uh, within society, uh, that you should judge them by the action they're taking and knowing all the facts. Uh, do not believe in rumors. Do not believe in conspiracy theories. And when you see, for instance, um, an incident happening, if it's uh, um, that we saw last week uh, raging uh, Capitol Hill, uh, the, even if there were no um, flags, no confederate flags, even if none of the protesters uh, were armed, um, this is still an assault on our democratic institutions. The fact right. that you contest an election which was decided and certified by Congress is already an assault on democracy. So we don't have to come to a situation where you need a full picture in knowing who the people are in assessing, oh, we didn't know that this person uh, tweeted two years ago uh, support uh, of the neo-Nazi groups, the fact that they undermine democracy is already of concern. And so this is the approach that we should be taking is see the facts and the truth in real time, you know, believe in the Constitution, in the democratic process, and uh, trust our institutions. And yes, when somebody does something wrong, you can challenge them. When somebody um, takes harsh, harsh measures, uh, uh, singles out the community, call them out. Uh, okay, uh, Jacob, we, have, we got, we got two minutes. We got two minutes left. I want to ask you basically your first story at the forward, or maybe it was your second story. Uh, seems to have talked about. I'm very curious about this reintroduction of Hitler into our public discourse. We have a congresswoman, uh, newly elected Republican congresswoman from Illinois, named Mary Miller. Mm -hmm. uh, she's She's talking about the one thing that Adolf Hitler did right. Uh, and then we have uh, an old friend of mine, uh, the borough uh, president candidate uh, Republican in Staten Island, Letitia Romaro, 
by accident, somehow accidentally, somebody said Heil Hitler. I mean, Letitia knows better. She's got Jewish grandchildren. I think it's just uh, uh, astounding somehow that, that, that Hitler is no longer out of bounds uh, politically. Uh, tell us what's, what's, what's going on and, uh, in one minute. Yeah, we have to uh, tamp down first our rhetoric and, and, and distinguish between what has happened in the 1930s and what's happening right now. Bill de Blasio is not an anti-Semite. Governor Cuomo is not a uh, um, uh, not Hitler. And, oh, and the storming uh, of the Capitol was not Kristallnacht. Or not Kapos. And the storming of the Capitol is a domestic terrorist act. Uh, but it wasn't Kristallnacht. So, right. No, yeah, on both sides. It wasn't Kristallnacht, and Bill de Blasio is not um, uh, the head of a regime that commits to uh, annihilate uh, the entire uh, Jewish community. We have to distinguish what is really happening, what is right and what is wrong, and start with the um, comparing to what has happened to the horrific uh, incidents that happened in the 1930s. Let's focus on what is happening right now. Let's be better. Let's understand, uh, believe in democracy, you know, respect others and not tolerate those who want to uh, kill us or undermine our democracy. Okay, that'll be the last word. Uh, Jacob Kornblu, now of The Forward, formerly of Jewish Insider and other uh, assorted publications, uh, focusing this year on the 2021 uh, New York City elections, where the marquee elections in 2021 uh, coming up in uh, New York City. Jacob, thank you once again for joining us here again on Spin Glass, and we'll have you back as uh, as things progress in this very um, volatile and turbulent uh, political time. Always a pleasure, Michael. Stay tuned for Jew in the City Speaks here on the Nachum Siegel Network. See you next week.